This week's episode of Query is sponsored by a specific event, and that event is Rufus Wainwright on Friday, August 17th at the Capitol Theater in Port Chester, New York. Yeah, if you live in New York, it's right off the Metro North New Haven line. Rufus Wainwright, he's an amazing singer-songwriter. Elton John once called him the greatest songwriter on the planet, so it's like not that even that big of a deal because it's just Elton John, a saint. Anyway, you probably know who Rufus Wainwright is because you're cool. But if you don't, good gravy. He's worked with folks like Lou Reed, Emily Harris, Boy George, Joni Mitchell, Mark Ronson, you can see him at the Capitol Theater in Portchester, New York on Friday, August 17th. Or learn more at CapitolTheater.com. That's T-H-E-C-A-P dot C-C slash A. This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cameron here. A big announcement. I currently have tickets on sale for my fall tour. I will be coming to Madison, Wisconsin, London, England, Chicago, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Louisville, Kentucky, Bloomington, Illinois, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, New Cumberland, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Boston, San Francisco, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, Washington, D.C., Denver, and I do have shows coming up in New York that aren't announced yet. So you can head over to CameronEsposito.com slash tour for all of those tickets, or you can go to CameronEsposito.com, watch my new special Rape Jokes, and there's a button to click through and grab tickets. I really can't wait to see you. Please come out to see me on the road. Also, today's episode is a chat with Pony. Pony Lee is amazing. They do my hair. Um, they are also an incredible uh, part of the L.A. queer community. You know, sometimes there are just folks who know everyone, are involved with everything, and Pony is one of those people. They are one of the people that make L.A. feel like home to me and that make L.A. feel like my queer home. Please enjoy. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still holding on, darling. I know, I know, I know it's careless. Well, thank you for being back on the podcast because we recorded together and then you asked if we could re-record, which is totally chill and rad. And I'm, how are, how is today for you, my friend, my good friend? Today is good. Today yeah. is good. Like I'm having a lot of, um. I've had a lot of clarity right now, so I feel really, really open and, and soft. Oh, my and God, I could use some clarity and some openness and some softness. <laughs> but physically, I'm just tired. You know? <laughs> yeah. But, what, you know, I think at one point my mind and my body will have an, have an intersect, uh, you know, will intersect and be balanced at some point this week. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God, right. Where do you feel like you usually live in your mind? Yes. Yeah. I yeah. I mean Yeah. I feel like I I feel like we join each other there. I try to put myself in my body as much as I can. Yeah. But yeah. I think I think I I feel that I do and my first language is action. Oh, that's interesting. Like I don't really talk very much. Yes. And I'm I'm more of an observer. I'm quiet and then I like do something. 
<laughs> wow. Do you know before you're going to – do you know what the action is going to be or is the action coming out of you as a language? Um, it is a language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So like is it something you can process in your brain or is it just a physical language? Um, it can process it in my brain. Hmm. But it doesn't really feel real until I'm actually doing it. Hmm. Um, well, I mean, already I'm sure listeners are in love with you because this is this is the depth of conversation that one can expect. <laughs> uh, real deep right away, which is great. Um, but will you introduce yourself since that's what we do on this podcast? Okay. Um, I'm Pony Lee. I'm a Scorpio. Uh, <laughs> um Owner of Folklore and uh, an organizer of Dyke Day LA. Yeah, and Folklore is the barbershop. Do you call it a barbershop? What do you call it? I always call it a barbershop. It's, well, it's got a barbershop feel, yeah. right? But I think we we get a little bit more personal in there than just a barbershop. So salon? Is that what you would call it? Or I mean, what do you call it? I, 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 you know, it really depends. Uh-huh. It really depends. Because, you know, in the end, we're all kind of just cutting hair. Okay, so then I'll say this. Folklore is where I get my hair cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also a hub. I mean, I don't know if you would say this. I'm curious if you would. I think it's like a hub of the East Side queer community where there's a lot of folks coming in and out that are artists who work in different mediums or like people who are participate in different events. And because you also are an organizer of Dyke Day, which is this really rad, inclusive, non-corporate pride mm-hmm. event, like mm-hmm. timed around pride in LA, yeah. um, that to me folklore really feels like it's, I mean, it's a salon, but and it's a place people where people get their hair but cut, but it's also just like a community space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, folks go in there to, you know, um, share information about their parties that they're throwing, events, um, you know, other uh, other to-do things on the east side, uh, anything that really supports the the, com- the east side community and the east side queer community or the, the queer arts, like everybody tends to walk through those doors. Everybody comes through. Everybody it's like a, through. it is really like a, everyone does walk through there. Whenever I'm sitting there, like waiting to be in your chair or when I'm in your chair, there's really interesting conversations. A lot of folks that work in a lot of different fields, but the intersection seems to be I don't know, like caring plus community involvement plus like yeah. uh, kind of openness to a lot of different ways of presenting. Like that's another thing that I really love about your shop. And when I moved to L.A., I was so happy to find your shop because it has this – like everybody is really clearly getting the haircut that they want. Yeah. Which yeah. is also very unusual. In it that, is in that space. It's still shocking to me. You know, I've been I've been cutting hair for um, probably over eighteen about eighteen years, and it it shocks me to have somebody in my chair nowadays that can't get square sideburns or you know can't get a razor neckline or you know wants an androgynous haircut. Like you're like like where are you getting your hair done? Like or why is it that other stylists just don't have the ability? Whether it's you know, uh, whether it's a technical ability, I think a lot of it is their own head with what with, with the construct of, like, gender looks like, you know, for most people. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like when I've had bad experiences in the past, a lot of it has been dictated by folks who are cutting my hair who um, 
anticipated I would be upset mm-hmm. by the haircut I actually wanted. Yeah. Do you know that thing what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes, where you, where you exactly. go like, I know I want it to be like, could you just like make it like really fucked up? <laughs> could you just give me like really fucked up hair in like yeah. a good way? Could yeah. it just be like feathered on the one side and kind of long? <laughs> and then um, I. Like someone bit it on the side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know like what. I'm trying to figure out where that starts. You know, is it like like who's doing the limitation there? Is it the client that they've had in the past that's like, you made me look like a man that doesn't want to, you know, present with that hair? Or is it the stylist themselves, like, who can't see beyond a binary hair expression? I mean, how do you – how are you coming in and greeting your guests? Like, what is it that you think when you meet somebody? Well, I never really assume. And one of the things in the shop is we never assume. Even if I've already seen a guest, you know, three times and we've established their pronouns and we've established their identity, you know, it's always good to check in with people to see where they are. And um, and because as queer people, we know that that can evolve, you know, like, hey, um, I don't want to be, you know, this name anymore. Can you update it to my nickname or like I feel more comfortable with that? And of course you can. You know, unfortunately, our booking system only gives us so many limitations, but we we try to do our best to when people are in the shop to just like, okay, what is the name? Don't tell me, don't give me your dead name or don't give me what's on your driver's license or your, your bank account. Like, give me the name that feels comfortable for you because you can be what it is you want to be in here. And you can be seen however you want to be seen. You know, um, I and I have clients who have, who've, refused either short haircuts or shorter haircuts because someone told them they would they would look fat. You know? So that just seems first of all, that's just fucked up to say to anybody. <laughs> it <laughs> you is. Know? And who the hell are you to call someone fat? You know? Um but it's just shocking to me. So you have this like uh, you know, this this you know, non-body positive way to look at especially another uh, another person, and then you dismiss their gender, or you know, th- I mean, there's so many layers to this, right? And I think as queer people, we talk about this more. And um, I've never, I've never heard conversations like this at any shop that I've ever worked at, let alone a barber shop. Right. Yeah. Well, the thing that you're talking about also about the folks saying like you can't have hair that short because of your body type is. I would also assume like that's a, l- a lot more often happening for people that were like cultured female in their youth because it's like that thing of – I mean I don't know that we put that same thing on folks. Just the shortness of hair, specifically all of the all of the baggage that we have around shortness of hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like when did you – when did you feel like you got the haircut you wanted? Do you remember that moment? No. No, I don't remember that moment. I like I think that there are moments where in my youth where I've given myself like I've just shaved my head or I just shaved parts of it and it felt good. It felt like I released something. It felt like I I was getting closer. It wasn't really like it it just fit that moment. But that moment was gone and something else was was going to happen. Mm. You know, so I think that my hair just changed. Like, you know, I've had variations of the same haircut that I have right now in different ways, but I feel that that is the 
one that suits me. Every once in a while, like I grew my hair out a couple of times where I'm like, I'm going to grow my hair out. I want, I want to see what I look like with a high end tight. <laughs> I can't imagine you with that, but I'm like, want to see it now. Oh my God. Like, you know, and I have the densest hair and yeah. it, it, it was, it was, it felt great when I got it cut. And then a week later, I'm, I, I felt like I was suffocating. Like the walls are closing in on me and you know, the, um, I started to feel too normal. Mm. Like too average or something. I don't know. I just didn't like it. How would you describe your haircut, the one that you have now? Um, I always called it a tilted toupee. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's like a shaved head with a tilted toupee. That's funny. But you, I mean, that's amazing. You also have um, like tattoos on the sides of your head that are shaved that I think also, I mean, this is just like from an outsider's, they're like your whole, they're working together. Like your hair, the way that you style your hair and the way that you have um, tattooed your skin is like you're presenting a whole package that makes perfect visual sense. And I think that it's interesting to me to think about like, because I know you now, Mm -hmm. that you make so much sense to me that I almost can't even imagine like what that would be like if you didn't have those there. And I think that's also kind of part of queerness is like when you arrive at, and obviously we're always evolving and we're always changing, yeah. but yeah. when you arrive at like a, a place that you're presenting that, again, to go back to that like fear that people might have of like, well, what if I cut my hair too short? It's like the other side of that is this moment where you're like your whole look comes together in a way that really feels comfortable for you. Like, do you feel comfortable in your skin these days? Um, well, um, I'm a little thicker right now than I normally would <laughs> like, but you know, I I think I, I've been thinking about that, you know, and because you know I'm obviously modified, I'm tattooed and I'm pierced and I'm adorned, I should say, and like adorned is a beautiful world word, and it totally fits you too because you wear like makeup or fancy jewelry sometimes. I do, I do, and like when I look at my body and and it's and I'm not wearing any clothes, like I look at my form and. You know, one of the things I had when I thought about when having when I had top surgery was I didn't want nipples. Like nipples were just like I felt like I was going to go into another another box, and I didn't want to do it. I wanted to erase the first box, not erase it, but like I didn't want I didn't fit in that box. I wasn't going to jump into another one, and I wanted to create a form that was more me. And you know, instead of Instead of I chose not to have the graphs, and I decided to tattoo, you know, just black on my chest, and then I have these patterns and these mix these uh, these shifts these uh, shapes that kind of work with my my structure a little bit, and um, you know, in in some way it I, I am maybe creating my own identity, you know, as the years progress because I'm still. I'm still adding to it. I don't think I'm ever probably going to be finished. Yeah, I I actually find that really cool to like witness and, and behold the thing that you're talking about because mm-hmm. for me a lot of my way of presenting to the world is like I guess clothes or like if I'm wearing makeup or if I'm not wearing makeup, but it's a lot of it's not um like baked in. Like I'm not I'm I haven't I don't have a lot of adornments. I've like literally never had pierced ears or anything like that. So the like what you were saying, if you looked at me naked, it's just like kind it's, of don't even don't say, say, that. say it. It's but like, I, I look yeah. sexy. What are yeah, you talking yeah, yeah, about? Yeah. Well, you just said it, but uh, 
<laughs> no, I feel like it's like I don't I'm I haven't made as many alterations as mm. you have and Which I think I find completely beautiful. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I look at someone with no modifications on them and I find them so attractive. And to me, it's also and like kind of an anomaly because in my world, everything is modified or, you know, changed. And just seeing somebody in their purest form is 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 just sexy. It, and it's innocent. Man, this is rad. We have appreciation for each other. I like this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because I, you know, I follow you like just literally on the on the internet. I know mm-hmm. what what the tattoos on your chest look like because mm-hmm. you sometimes post photos of those and. I totally know what you're talking about. It's really cool to see what you've done to kind of create like a shape for yourself using ink um, where other folks use something else. So Mm -hmm. that's rad. And I mean, well, I wanted to ask this a second ago, but I kind of got away from it. And I also know you well enough to know you. this will make you uncomfortable, but folks must, how do folks respond to you in your chair because of the care that you're talking about giving them? Like, you know, you have, you have a, position the community as sort of like a, I don't know, like a leader or what's the right word? What would you use? I, I don't know. You I, see it though. I, I do in a sense, but I think I'll, I don't like to hold those, posi- like, mm, I, I, don't like to, I don't like to wear that badge. Give it back. I don't like to wear that badge. Don't wear it. Because, you know, you know, a lot of people I've, I've run into who come into my, into the shop have no idea that I own the shop. Yeah. Um, a lot of people who come to Dyke Day or who just say, hey, I'm going to this fun event. I'm like, what's it called? Well, Dyke Day. I'm like, I've heard of it. <laughs> you know, I, I just don't ever really talk about it yeah. because it's, you know, I'm an action person. Like I, that's, that's kind of what I, I don't, I don't want to be glorified. I want people to join with me. You know? Where do you think that comes from? Like you just want to, you just want to, you wanted to create space that folks could take up. You just don't want to, you don't need to be the figurehead of that space. Like, no. Where's that from in your life? Do you think? Um, I don't. You know, I don't really know. Sometimes, um, I just know that I, you know, I had a really shitty upbringing. I raised myself. I got into a lot of shit, and. Um, you know, a lot of things should have killed me by now. And there's a, there's like a sense of gratitude and a sense of, of like kind of, kind of proving to the world that I can be, um, I can be a pervert. I can be queer. I can be whatever the fuck I want to be and still have integrity and still, and still like have a place in this world. You know, uh, yeah, that's, I do know. That's kind of, and I, you know, if if people look at me and that, and and I'm that that example, awesome. And I think I did my job. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, yeah. I think you have definitely created space. I mean, for sure. And I also the, on that first word that you use, pervert. Like, is that your affiliation with like the kink and leather community that makes you? feel that that would be something that you're putting out in the world or what do you mean like well I just mean like you're saying I'm a pervert and I just I'm thinking for our listeners I want to give them some context on what that might mean yeah definitely definitely Uh, I was always told those are bad things I was told that like even sexuality you know like a female owning their sexuality was a bad thing of course um, or something that we don't talk about 
but you know, I those are things that were uh, that I took and I and I just reversed them. Mm. You know, kind of like being called a dyke, a faggot, a queer. Like those are those are the things that I'll wear. Those are the forms of the identity that I'm proud to wear. So you know, kinky, pervert. You know, doesn't matter. There's love in it. Even the, you know, you're saying that women or like a female identity is really separate from our sexuality. Even the way that we talk about men in this country, we talk about like a male sexuality as if it's being put on somebody. Like it's Mm -hmm. about the people that you can fuck. It's about like the action. It's Mm -hmm. not about you. Like nobody in, nobody in our culture um, is taught that has anything to do with them. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, if there is a binary and there is in our, in our culture, it's like there's the receiver and then there's the person who's chasing. That's literally – those are the only identities. Neither of those things are owned. Like you yeah. don't own – we don't talk about receiving as if that's something you can own and we don't talk about chasing as if that's something you can own. It's always like put onto somebody else. There's no, there's no I in like sex. <laughs> it's literally like you. That's the way we talk about sex and sexuality. Yeah. So I agree that it's really radical to kind of – act as if you can have any innate drives, you know, like just <laughs> literally that is radical though. It shouldn't be. Yeah. So that's, that's cool. And your participation in Dyke day, I went this year. It was great. I've gone a couple years. This one it felt was, like the biggest one. It was fucking beautiful. Like I, I actually, you know, you saw me on the blanket. I was actually, I'm, I'm going to take a lunch break. I'm going to sit there yeah, and I'm going to relax. I I was just loving it. I was loving every every minute of it. I was loving the, you know, this this like intergenerational uh, moment. These like these beautiful like you know colors, really kind of just brighter than I've ever seen them. Mm. And and I don't know. People are just like. Just, Having a good time. <laughs> also, I mean, I, and then you, know, you have the, the leather tent right behind us, and, yeah. You know, which. <laughs> but that was funny because that tent was there, uh, and then the area that we were sitting in, where you're sitting on the blanket, which is where I hung most of the time, was like shady. So it was like the over thirty five section it for was. sure. It like, was, but in a really like conscious way where it was like there's a lot of dogs here and people brought grapes and there and this is where this is happening because then I like walked through the other part you know and it was it like was loud there Everything was, was it was amplified. like muddy yeah. and there was like there, a lot of sunshine I was like this is my nightmare but 20 <laughs> feet away this is my heaven this like, is like your little oasis yeah 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 yeah, yeah so yeah. it was really nice to have that too yeah. like kind of naturally build itself yeah between between the, the, the spankings and the tent and the, the music <laughs> and whatever programming was happening yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but like that felt that felt good too because there was also no like queuing that that should have that's just a community deciding where to put itself. It's not like there was like, no, you no. know, roped off areas or whatever. Yeah, that, that was great. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty rad too. And I loved it. it Cause it, there was, there were, you know, you either chose to go the heavy route, yeah. like through the thick of it, or you came around to go to the food trucks or the bathroom on that side. Yeah. And it was just, it, it, I loved it. It was, this, it was just Valley of queers. And also, I mean, I, you know, uh, and we've gone when it was like much smaller at when it was, um, at Barnsdale Art Park, which is a small, uh, but really like rad 
location because you're looking at all of LA. It really is like you're kind of like the boss. Yeah. Of yeah. which is great a great place for queers to be. Yeah. Is like exactly at the exactly. pinnacle of yeah. Uh, you know, like the, the looking whole, down exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but it's amazing to see how it's grown, even in just like the however many years that I've been going. Yeah. But how long has it been running? Uh, it's a, it's eleventh year this year. Um, so I probably have seen things within the last five years. Yeah, yeah. But and, at the beginning, oh yeah, go ahead. No, I mean every year I anticipate like a couple hundred extra bodies. Yeah, but. You know, this year, I did not anticipate the turnout that we had. If you had to guess, how many people were there? I'd say over 1,500, close to 2,000. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that feels right. And how did this? How did it start 11 years ago? What's the moment where it started? Uh, 11 years ago, it started with a group of dykes, and they just called it Dyke Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, was, I was doing a, a booth for the Pleasure Chess at that time was the first year. And it was at Barnesdale. And the Pleasure Chest is like a sex toy store. Yes, in, uh, in West Hollywood. Um, it's like the adult target for some. <laughs> it is the adult. Um, yeah. and, um, and then, you know, I think they got maybe a total of 150 people the first year. You know, and like the next year, maybe in a couple where More. was it the first year? It was at Barnesville. Yeah. So we outgrew Barnesville. <laughs> yeah. You know, we were pushing out the sides. And um, we we moved it around to Elysian, at a different part of Elysian one year. And then we moved it to Debs, which was last. Mm-hmm. No, we had it two years ago at the location we had it now. Mm-hmm. And it, it felt really huge. We didn't feel nearly as much as we did it this year. Like you didn't feel like you could fill it kind of a thing? I didn't think we would, yeah. but I thought it was comfortable enough, and I liked the idea that it was secluded, and it had you can still look at L.A., you know? Um, I didn't like the idea of interlopers. Like, as the crowd grew, from my in my mind, security grew. Like, we have to be – make sure that, you know, our, our group is protected, that, um, you know, there's first aid, there's all these things. Um, and I think, what, two years ago – we had a great time at that location, and then, you know, and the next morning we found out Orlando happened. And that, that, that like, really changed the way I looked at us as a crowd, as a group, as a target, as, like, in so many different ways. But not just on Pride season, but on every day, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I, you know, having folklore... On you know going to work on the daily is like a little bit of that, yeah, a little bit of Dyke Day, a little bit of uh, of a haven, a little bit of you know everyday everyday life for us that isn't necessarily you know a bar setting. Right, I think that's a really important thing to kind of point out about it because I know there are some equivalent events in other cities, mm-hmm. not equivalent, but like similar spirit events, but yeah. maybe there are folks who are listening who live in a city that don't have that kind of spirit event. Cause I think, you know, the pride parade is like, if that's what you want to do, rad, there is like that overlap with kind of party culture and like vodka sponsors and, <laughs> you know, like, um, Hey man, there's time for that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's like, if that's what, is that, if that's what's happening for you, rad. Yeah. Um, but here in LA that happens in West Hollywood, which is geographically far away from where we're talking about. Um, and it also has that sort of, 
opt in from corporate culture at this point where that day doesn't have any of that. Yeah, exactly. Where like, you know, if it started as a March, now it's a little bit more of a party. I think Dyke Day has that March spirit going on, even though it's also a party. By which yeah. I mean, it's like there isn't. Um, it's well organized, and like you're saying, there's like food trucks and there's first aid and stuff. But it's also kind of on the community to bring like the tents that you need, hike in with your food, it and. And then choose where you want to sit, which I think is a even just that is a different type of pride event where there isn't like you're not like filtered through tents that are giving you a wristband. Yeah, or yeah, this like this. Yeah, yeah, and with like a you know like a drag performer on a stage that's far away from you. Even like the way that you had, because um, you had dancers, Aztec dancers. We did. We had Aztec and they're dancers. like again, they're like in the middle, right? As mm-hmm. opposed to like kind of on like a lifted stage sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like the vibe is a lot more like we're kind of figuring this out together as opposed to the um, like queerness on parade that might be yeah. more what folks think yeah. of as like a pride event. Well, you know, we, we were talking about Dyke Day starting. Um, a lot of things have changed in the past 11 years. They're like, well, it's an inclusive space, but like, why don't you just change the name? And that to me, it's like, it's like erasing our history by changing the name. Hmm. You know, it, it wouldn't be honoring... It wouldn't be honoring the dykes that started it. And some of those dykes are now trans, and that's okay. But, you know, honoring the position in the, in the community at the time, I think it's a really good marker of, uh, of what our lives look like then. I think that's great. I really do. I mean, it is – that's such a good way of putting that because I think we're living in this time that's – allowing us to see more um, options, identities, diversity in our community. Mm -hmm. And that's good. That should continue. And being able to identify them. Yeah. Yeah. That's rad. Like that's that's 100% great. It also is important to square that with, you know, the different words and the different ways that we presented in the past. Like you have to have both things and that's really hard to do. It is. It is really hard to do. But I think about it in about seven years, you know, you know, a non-binary or is probably going to be passe, you I know? know. <laughs> I know. I know. So, you know, I think that keeping it as Dyke de LA, but our, our mission statement has, has it, everybody is welcome, you know, trans, disabled, like, you know. Trans women, trans men, you know, uh, poly couples. I mean, families. I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of different ways that we, we show love in this community, and uh, and being able to explore them on, you know, and celebrate them the way we can at Tech Day. I mean, it's, it's not like any other place I've ever been. That's pretty great. Yeah, thank you for making it possible for me to go hang out there. I had a great time. Good. I did hit a social limit that has nothing to do with you. We're on the way out. I was like, Rhea, we should have left 20 minutes earlier. I'm so crabby. I hit my social limit. But that's just that's just Cami Esposito. That has nothing to do with Dyke Day. Yeah, I, like, I, at the end of the at the final hour of the event, is my give a shit is a little broken myself. Yeah. And I, I just want to get everything loaded in the truck, you know, and, you know, 
work around people who are still trying to have a good time. I'm like, nope, this is not the time. We have to <laughs> wrap it up. You don't have to stay here, but you know, but you can't stay here. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm a little cranky, and I want a hot meal, and, and I want a a glass of wine. Yeah, sure. <laughs> This week's episode is sponsored by Zola, the wedding company that will do anything for love. Zola takes the stress out of wedding planning with a free, easy-to-use suite of tools. You can create a free wedding website, register at their store, and so much more. With over 100 beautiful wedding website designs, there's something for your style. Plus, they've got over 500 top brands from KitchenAid and Cuisinart to Sonos and Airbnb. Yeah, Airbnb that you can register for through this one single site. That's what I like about it. I like that you can register for trips and experiences, but also actual objects. I personally am stressed out by owning too many things. So when um, I got married and folks wanted to give gifts, Rhea and I also created like a send us on a honeymoon fund, but it was really complicated. We had to use multiple multiple websites. That's because Zola did not yet exist. They've even got gift cards for travel on places like Delta and Southwest. So like, I'm just saying, give it a shot. You can create your free wedding website on Zola by going to zola.com slash query. That's Z-O-L-A dot com slash query to create your free wedding website. This week's episode is sponsored by Tomboy X. Oh, you know I love Tomboy X. Comfy underwear that is good to look at. (laughs) Yeah, truly. It's like something that makes me feel good gender-wise. I just recently got their pride underwear, which is all rainbowed out. But Tomboy X has everything from bikinis, briefs, boxer briefs, trunks, and boy shorts to soft bras and racer bike bras. They've got everyday basic colors and fun seasonal prints like for pride. Regardless of where you fall on the gender spectrum, Tomboy X offers amazing underwear that anybody can feel comfortable in. They've got options from extra small to 4X. So go to TomboyX.com slash query, check out their special bundles and pack pricing. Query with Cameron Esposito listeners get an extra 15% off when you use the code query. Again, use the code query, 15% off. Ditch whatever you're wearing for a pair of Tomboy X underwear. TomboyX.com slash query. Can I also ask if the whole time, um, because something that is also interesting about this event is it, it does feel like you're saying age, there's families, there's a lot of different ways that, that it's an intersectional event, and one of them is race. Mm-hmm. There are definitely people of color at a pride event or slash organizing the pride event and Mm -hmm. because of the way that our power systems have been set up in our community like sometimes you can straight up go to like a parade there's literally like no people of color in it you know what i mean it's like some two black people and a filipino right 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 and they're like on the parade for the lgbt (laughs) center or whatever but then like you know then it's just endless white boys and speedos. And I, I think that that's also something that's really needed and really rad about this event is that it's like, it's number one, people of color are not an afterthought. And uh, number two, it's almost like white people are. It's almost like white people being invited to mm-hmm. uh, an event where we're not the default, which is nice. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's also the ally that I understand. Yeah. 
Like the, that's the LA that I've always grown up to 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 be in. Um, Cause you're from here. I'm from here. Um, so it, I'm like, finally, there it is. That's the LA I love. That's the LA I, you know, that I love to be a part of. Um, and in other cities, it's you know, it's different. It's different. But I think because we're in in Los Angeles and in New York and places like that are really concentrated, people are coming from everywhere, from everywhere. And why aren't we, why aren't we showcasing them? Why aren't we highlighting those people? Why are we, why are, why is it that people or corporations feel the need that, you know, this character looks friendly or blonde and blue eyed and inviting? Like, why is that the chosen color? There's so many answers for that and they all suck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, especially in L.A. Yeah. Like the color – this is not this is not a white people city. No. But that's what was exported to my eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, when I thought about L.A. growing up in the in the Midwest, like I thought for sure about – well, I mean, number one, I thought like everybody was surfing. Like I had no understanding of the fact <laughs> this is like a desert community. Yeah. And there's mountains and um, I also thought that the surfers were, yeah, like you're saying. You know, like the Cal- uh, the Beach Boys. Like I thought it was the Beach Boys. Everything in Santa Monica or yes. Malibu. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then you know, there's more white people out there because that's the you, you can't talk about race and not talk about class, right? Of course. So um, there's more money out there. Yeah, and that's what I thought the whole city was. Yeah. Which is really, which is just it's wild as that being an exported identity. I understand why it is because of your saying class and money. I understand why it is why mm-hmm. like nine zero two one zero is what I thought of when I thought of this. City, but it's just that there are so many large, thriving communities that are not that mm-hmm. that are that that like actually are also, of course, not new. Like this is not new stuff. It's been really eye opening and rad to move here and see like what LA is really like because it's a. I don't know. It has nothing to do with that city. I thought that it was. <laughs> My life has nothing to do with that city. I never go surfing, pony. <laughs> I don't even go to the beach either. I don't go to the beach. So growing up here, where, what kind of household did you grow up in? Uh, well, I was raised by my grandmother. My mom was a single parent, so um, I don't think she was. I don't think she liked being a mom. Um, my mom was also very religious, and she's um, she's a minister. So. You know, you could do the math there. Sure. <laughs> um, my grandmother was Catholic, but kind of more non-practicing. Um, she had 13 children. Wow. And, um, so she Where had, was your mom in that, in the 13 children? Um, she was one of the eldest. Hmm. Um, and um, my grandmother lived in Mexicali, which was, you know, it's, it's uh, south of the border here. And... Um, Eventually brought her whole family out here. Um, so I grew up in East L.A. I grew up around um, more brown and gangs and drugs, and which I didn't realize was a bad thing. I just that's the way it was. You know, things were accessible, and I didn't want anything to do with any of that. I, I was first generation out here, and um, I kind of latched on to kind of the new wave goth and punk scene. And um, it seemed more interesting to me, but I also didn't see myself as a, 
you know, uh, I didn't see myself on TV either. So um, you try to, you know, just kind of claw your way through existing a bit. Um, and then, you know, my, I came out really, really young. So I was pushing against forces my whole life. How old were you? Um, well, the, when I knew that I was different from, sure. from the beginning, like probably as soon as I was in school. And then when you were telling people, how old were you then? Um, I was 11. I was 11, and um, I, I didn't feel very comfortable in my body and my skin. You know, I was a cutter. I was, I was, um, I got wrapped up into drugs. And, um, you know, there's really no one you could talk to about any of it. And, um, and then you try and find people that you think, have some understanding. Um, but yeah, like, uh, at, you know, that's also a very young age, you know, I found my, my cousin who committed suicide in my garage. So trying to understand life, trying to understand yourself, trying to understand any purpose was really hard. And did, did you find community in the, in that punk scene? Like, is that a first place you found community? I mean, I think it was, it was going through clubs I was too young, and I was still doing it, um, you know, hanging out, um, record stores, I mean, because you didn't have the internet then, so you just hang out at record stores, or, you know, we used to go to Melrose and go to Hollywood, and, and then we found out West Hollywood, mm. and, and then, you know, you don't fit in, you don't fit in the, in the goth scene, and you don't really fit in the gay scene, and then... You don't really fit in East L.A., so where the hell do you, you know, fit? Who was your, like, crew that you were traveling with at that time? I mean, you don't have to name them, but I just mean, was it, was it like, friends of a similar age? Was it people that you – who I, would you have been doing those things with? I hung out with older kids, I think, because they had more access to getting out of wherever I was. Yeah. Um, I think also I needed, to, I needed someone to look up to. So um, – and I didn't realize it then. Uh, but, you know, I picked up friends in different pockets because, you know, sometimes those, those, all those different worlds don't meet. Um, right. That's, yeah, fair <laughs> you know, enough. <laughs> you know, I used to get, like, quarters thrown at me at, at, the, at, at gay clubs because I looked like a goth kid. And they're like, you know, go take the fucking bus to Helter Skelter and get out of here. It, it was mean, and that, that sucks. You know, it's like like where where where, are you, where do you belong? But you know, you figure it out. You figure it out, and I um, you know, I felt like I was lost for really trying trying to normalize. At one point, I tried to like be normal. I tried. What to, was that like? Oh, it was awful. I was depressed. I was so depressed. Like I'm like, this is boring. What did what did a version of you that you consider normal? What did that look like? I tried to get a, a you know like a, a a basic haircut. I tried to grow my hair out. Oh my god, that period was horrible. But you know, I was never really a pretty girl, and so trying to be any type of normal just looked awkward on me. Like if I was in drag, <laughs> um, but and I was such a like like um everything about. Like any type of feeling, I it, I internalize everything, and it was really hard for me to kind of like just be vocal or 
do things or, you know, like I just carried so much with me. I bottled it. And, um, yeah, I mean. What was your first moment of relief from that? Or like your, it doesn't have to be the moment, but I just mean, how did you start to find relief from that? Um, huh. I think that there was different moments of relief in different parts of my life. You know, it was like that one time I sobered up, that one time I didn't kill myself. You know, there was these, you find something in the darkest corners that kind of like lifts you up. Um, and there's sometimes, sometimes there's a voice in the back of your head that's just like, you're not done yet. <laughs> no matter how awful it feels, it's like, you're not done yet. Um, and so I, um, I had different, different coming to Jesus moments, I should say. And one of them was definitely when I was coming to terms with my, my gender expression and, um, and what that looked like. What were you realizing? Um, you know, that I was, you know, that I was pushing not only with like modifying my body or, you know, that tattoos, that piercings, that the body was, um, elastic and that you can, a vehicle. And I didn't realize that I can take it one step further. And, and also is that step me? Like you really had to really juggle and do all the weight. And uh, but I'm like, am I gonna lose my my feminine identity? Like like my me being raised female because that's something I'm very proud of. I don't want to put that in the back of like it never existed. Like it did it did exist. It it shaped me, and I didn't want to be this like, you know, aggro. What I thought was gonna be like irritable aggro like dude. I'm like no, I don't want to. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. And. It took me a while to kind of find a balance in all of it. That's something that I've always appreciated just talking to you in your chair and kind of the way that you speak about identity is that you're, yeah, you're like allowing, I mean, I wish we had better words. We don't have better words, but that you're like allowing for if it's femininity or if it's like, uh, you know, like I almost want to use like gay male words, you know, like if like you're that you're like allowing yourself that that it's yeah. not be, that 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 uh, whatever ch- choices you might make, like if you're getting top surgery or whatever, that that doesn't necessarily mean you have to then jump into this identity that's prescribed in a certain way. Like yeah. that, that it's also okay to be like the side of that thing, that body walking through the world with a flat chest. That's also maligned as you know too queer you know what I mean like that like that there's like a because there's there's the thing of like well now I pass as like a you know cis like macho dude and that like that doesn't have to happen and then you're also not allowed to challenge things right Right, sure yeah Uh, or that you're you're not allowed to be what you're not allowed to be sensitive or I mean there's so many different ways to look at it and I when I and I think I've had I've been given that gift of understanding gender through both, mm-hmm. both sides of the coin. I, and I usually stand in the middle and I always make decisions or choices or like about things or situations or people like, well, is that okay if a guy did that? 
you know, or is that okay? Is it because she's female that she gets that pass? Hmm. But if a guy did that, that'd be an asshole move, right? Sure. Interesting. So uh, that that's kind of the way I like, I move in the world of understanding like right and wrong now. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's because also the, you know, it would be silly to act as if like the toxic side of masculinity didn't have a huge presence in our community because like I think we often talk about toxic masculinity as being the opposite of you know whatever it is feminine availability you know it's like 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 we talk about it as if it's the opposite but of course um you know for our community if we're like patrolled on what could be too femi then that has a huge expression in our community too Mm -hmm. that, that really sucks that i that idea that like that the femier, you know, gay man is like the like put it away. The like not not here. Like not with that wrist. Like can you yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's nice it's nice to know somebody who I think pushes back on that kind of all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just like being around you. It's an it's an infectious way of reorganizing my brain that I appreciate in our like friendship and working relationship. Thanks. Yeah. You're welcome. Thanks. I don't know. Rhea and I talk about that. It's good for you to hear things that yeah. people talk about when you're not around. Uh, I'm turning a little. I know. Pain. You can leave. You don't know what to say. <laughs> That's <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. I was, I know it's, I, I get it. Well, I mean, well, there's a the thing, right? To tell people what you think of them. Like it's, you don't want to say it after they're gone or like, something that's right friend what if we didn't have that moment and like that moment you know and i suddenly had to move to new zealand i don't know why i have to do that (laughs) but and then i never got to send you never got to send on that email (laughs) (laughs) no it's good to tell people how you feel yeah i guess that's you know when i was saying earlier you don't have to be a leader like nobody has to wear that mantle but you should know that when you create space, people should tell you that. I think that's an important thing in our mm-hmm. community because it's like the space you create allows me to be bigger, mm-hmm. you know? Because yeah. it's like you're saying, well, I don't have to be this thing. And I'm like, oh, really? Then I don't have to be this thing? You know, like that's the thing that as queer people we give each other. Yeah. A thing we can give each other is like permission to be like, I'm myself so much that you can be whatever you are. And like yeah. that's also something that if straight people were fucking smart, they would try to steal from us. Like they would try to, you know, instead of – Instead of malign our, oh, how many letters are going to be in this? Like, oh, LGBTQ. Like, instead of worrying about that, just be like, no, man, that's you too. You can also be any letter. Like, yeah, you can be any letter. Isn't that great? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you want that for yourself? Yeah. Ugh, straight people got to learn so much. Put your ear to the ground. I, I am really grateful for the allies I have in the shop. Tell me. Like, I have some really amazing allies that, you know, that kind of – they they know that th- what kind of space they're walking into. It's almost like when you visit a gay bar, right? Yes. It's like people go there. They're like, I want to. I'm I'm here because this is where I get to hear conversations that don't normally get to be had. I'm here because I am like not just a spectator, but I can also participate. That's you great. know with permission or you know there's there's just that this really sweetness that like hey I'm on the same page as you, like to a degree, right? Because they're not living our lives, but like they're like I I see your struggle or I see. That, you know, they're, I'm with you on this fight. And that's bringing to get people together is, is awesome like that. I feel the same way about folks that I meet, like, in an audience situation. Mm-hmm. 
and I, I love it. I think what I'm talking about is not individual people, but culture. Because yeah. culture kind of reflects – culture tells straight folks, like, this is a community um, that is either to be, like, tolerated. I mean, we literally use the word tolerance. Mm-hmm. Or to be, like, you know, there can be a pride parade you shouldn't go, and if you are going to go, you know, wear, like, a giant boa, as opposed to, like, you know, learning from the ways in which we've reorganized our families that yeah. I think can really benefit everybody. I think everybody likes – I mean, who doesn't like a party? And gay people can party. <laughs> uh, but, you know, for allies who who are – shouldn't be just there for the party. They should ask questions. That's a very – that is such a well-said summary of the three minutes that I just spent talking. <laughs> <laughs> it should ask questions. It should not be afraid. And as queer people, we should be, you know, not educating them but, like, also be open because they do not live our life. They don't know what it's like. Yeah, and maybe for your saying not not educating, like, maybe the questions also – I mean, are you comfortable with any question or would you want someone to come in with, like, a little bit of knowledge – that they've done on their own part. You know, I, I from a young age, um, I found out that there's no there's no stupid questions. Yeah. There's just we have to dissect it. Sometimes we have to unpack it. You know, maybe it didn't come out right the first time. Does it mean that I'm offended? You know, I'm gonna eventually I'm gonna understand your language, and then we'll break it down. You know, there's no there's no way that that's wrong. We all come, we all come from different walks. Different ways of understanding, different ways of uh, of being. Do you feel, you know, kind of finishing up? Because I think you're bringing, like, so much peace to me and even what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about that based as a response to what we were just talking about, which is, like, all this time that you were not having peace. Yeah. Do, you're giving peace out into the world. Are you also feeling peace at this time in your life? Um. Yeah, yeah. I think um, there, there, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine about like, I was like, where is all this fucking patience and like love <laughs> coming from in me? You know, where like I would just like I would I would go cobra on somebody if they did this to me normally. But I there is like I don't know if it's maturity or, you know, being, you know, older. I don't know what it is, what what lessons that brought me here. That, like, either I'm paying back for all the shit that I probably did in my youth. I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know how to answer that. Like, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm aware of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm definitely aware of it. Yeah, I mean, I think probably it is an age thing. We're, like, at the age of, I mean, even just biologically, we're at the age of parenting. You know, like, and, and that starts to, I think, be a part of your... I don't know the way you are in the world, like because I know my I know the pain I had, mm-hmm. and I know the ways in which I would love to not prevent because I don't know if that's possible, but like counsel people through that pain. Yeah, you know, and as as that starts to be true for a couple different generations, you know, like when you're 36, there are people who are 26, there are people who are 16, and there's people who are six, yeah. and I think that starts to impact. I've noticed that a lot in my 30s. Like, that that was not at all a part of my life when I was in my 20s. I was never, like... Well, because you couldn't listen. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah, think yeah, whether yeah. you're 20 or 30, some people just don't listen <laughs> or, or are open 
to listening. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I think I also didn't have enough distance from, yeah. like, my own experiences. They were still so raw for me that I couldn't, like, turn them into kindness yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was just like I was still kind of living in them and wasn't sure if I was going to survive them kind of a thing. And then you start to have – you find your good community of friends. You find the job you're supposed to do. You're kind of, like, acquiring those things that give you – enough stability to be able to pass it on. Yeah. Because that's also the thing. When you're in your 20s you, or, your, or your teens, I think stability can be less common for queer folks especially because we're yeah. still so reliant on other people and often misunderstood. So you start to rely on yourself. You start to rely on your community. You start to get a little more understanding and it yeah. gets a little easier to like give back. I don't know. That was my experience, I think. Hmm. Pony. Friend. Mm -hmm. I feel like you're, I mean, just very wise. <laughs> and um, this has been a great conversation. Yeah. And I'm going to, I think before we wrap up in just a moment, like, I want to ask you about a queero of yours. So somebody that helped you, or it could be a place that helped you be comfortable in the person that you are today. Um, well, when we were talking about being, you know, a youth and kicking against everything, um, it brought up two things for me. And one of them was this place in East LA called Bienestar, which is a very similar to like the center for, um, for the Latino culture and as LGBT services, uh, for the youth and HIV um, testing and services there. Um, and I used to go there when I, I would just drop in when I didn't know where to go. And I made friends there. Some of them I, I'm still in contact with and party with to this day. Um, and we're always like, wow, remember we survived that. <laughs> wow. Um, so I would say as a location, Bienestar. Um, and the second was the, uh, the creative work of Ron Athey. Yeah, he's somebody that I only know about through you um, and your partner. And do you want to tell me a little bit more about his stuff? Well, his work really brought up not only like AIDS, but a bit being queer, being different, being pushing boundaries. Like his work really stuck out to me. Um, a lot and I never thought I'd actually get to know him and he's actually a friend now and he's like a kind of a father figure and um, and he's I'm super grateful I'm super, we don't, you never think that you ever meet like a you know it's really hard because I don't really look at him as a queero like his work really saved me like seeing that work possible really saved me knowing him has been a gift what is it about his work that saved you? Um, you know, his work was like any other. It was, it, you know, it. he pushed his body. He pushed limits. Um, just the how fucked up religion can, how much damage it does to, to a person. How much damage it does to your identi identity as a queer person. 
Um, and there's, there, I mean, there, you understand. I mean, there's certain things that we still, we still kind of struggle through to this day. Yeah. You know, we're trying to undo in a sense or like let go of. But his work really, and of course, you know, you know, draped in like needles and piercings and, you know, body modification and, you know, having da- seen daggers on stage and it, that's, that's dykes for some of the youth. Um, <laughs> you know, just seeing this different, this other form of queer on stage was, was just relieving to me. I felt like somebody gets it. Oh, that's awesome. You know, I don't think we've ever, in all the conversations, I mean, I think we've skirted around, but I don't know that we've ever just, that you've ever just said to me, like, that you know the damage that religion does. Because I I don't think I've said it to you either, but yeah, I know that damage. I mean, is that something that you still, and you said it's still like in your brain and you're still working it out? Yeah. I mean, I I still work through the book of Revelations in my head sometimes. It's (laughs) fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, there... I feel like something always comes back to some form of Bible reference or some form of teaching or something that was told to me, you know, but I grew up, I grew up with, uh, you know, my mom speaking in tongues and, and people fainting and vomiting and, you know, all kinds of different forms of Christian expression. It was all, it was all really like a lot of drama. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you're just kicking up the Catholics enough. (laughs) You know, you know what is like something that I that I've been thinking about a lot, and I, I have no idea if you can relate to this, is that when I think about like what I'm trying to do as a business person, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a comedian. That's my business. Like it's a business. You're a business person, but then my business is always so. It it inse- it, it doesn't intersect. It's completely overlapped with like a need to push for like social justice to also exist. And sometimes I look at myself and I'm like, why? Like, could there be like one thing that you do that you don't constantly exhaust yourself by like trying to, you know, be the, um, because comedy doesn't have to have that in it. You know, hair, you don't have to, no. hair, cutting hair doesn't have to have that in it. I no. think some parts of that is like this leftover remnant of, you know, like if there's a part of me that's like, Somebody sent me a letter the other day that, mm-hmm. that said, like, I don't mean to offend you, but mm-hmm. we, ra- we're, we were raised the same way. And I think you're doing the Lord's work <laughs> because I don't have better language for what you're trying to do on stage. And I'm like, no, you're right. Like, I am. I mean, I, I, the, the parts of me that can logically separate the damage and the pain and, like, get very angry about it, then there's this other part of me that's like, I am totally shaped by this thing in some of the positive parts of my yeah. Personality too. Like you were supposed to be a prophet, and it, but it's fucking annoying, right? Because you're because then you're like, well, that comes from the same place that does all this damage. Yeah. Sometimes it makes me very yeah. angry oh, to yeah. have that in me. Yeah, that I care about this stuff from that perspective. Like I know that's why I have this. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to reconcile that. The anger that I have at the positive aspects <laughs> of that thing. Do you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It'd be yeah. so much easier if it was just like a big fuck you that I knew I could leave behind. Well, that's always easier, right? Oh, isn't it? But it's, I mean, it's interesting that we, I think we're in a time where we can actually have our values and our business. That's right. And they can hold each other up instead of having to lose one or the other. Yes. Yes. I, I mean, again, I'm not, not, look, Rhea and I talk about other things, but that is literally (laughs) something we were talking about yesterday Uh about you and your spouse is that, that both of you do work 
because um, your partner is a trainer, physical, a personal trainer, yeah. and both of you do work where you are absolutely like monetizing safety for the community. And I don't mean that's not why you're doing mm-hmm. it. Like you're not selling safety because you're cynical about it, but you're offering that option for our community to buy into. And I think that's so important, like that we don't have to exist without the benefit of this like work that we're trying to do. Like yeah. that you don't have to just be like, no, I like, I like cut hair, you know, uh, as a, you know, like as a good work only, like yeah. that people pay as you. As a socially conscious person. Yeah. No, like I live my life this way. Yeah. Like I've, I understand these experiences like are a different way to share them with each other and much more intimate. You know, Absolutely. Not a one-on-one. And also like letting people pay you, you know, like letting, like having a store that people can buy into. Like, I think that also matters because as a member of the community, like I want to keep your business open mm-hmm. because I know that it has a, a value. And I think that's a, like a part of, I guess, living in the capitalist society that we don't always talk about for mm-hmm. for queerness is like putting your money back into the community. Well, a lot of us weren't designed to get this old. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> fucking right. So it's like, how do we, how do we, you know, how do we still create families? Mm-hmm. How do we protect our families? And how do we provide for our families that we weren't supposed to have? Yeah. I think the provide part is what we're kind of figuring out right now. It's like almost like the first couple generations of that on this scale obviously yeah. there have always been queer businesses but like on the scale that we're at now yeah but not they haven't put they didn't put their queerness at the forefront that's right and it wasn't like a gym you know it was like a secret bar as opposed yeah. to just like this is publicly a gym where you are safe yeah and that's a it's a very cool time to live i'm very grateful for it yeah yay <laughs> Pony, thank you so much for the conversation. I will see you in your chair. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Hey, Queeros. I, Cami Esposito, need your help. See, this show is supported by some great advertisers. And in order to find great advertisers, we have to know a little bit about you. If you got a moment and it just takes a moment, go to podsurvey.com slash query for a quick anonymous survey that you could take to help us get to know you a little better so that we can go sell some ad space and keep making the show. Once you've completed the survey, you could also enter to win a $100 Amazon gift card for you to spend on probably albums of mine. Again, that's P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y, podsurvey.com slash query, Q-U-E-E-R-Y. Thanks for the help. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Fake nuts. <laughs> 
Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season 3 of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.